Hey Ding Dongs, I'm Jamie. I'm Richard. And this is Explain It to Jamie, the political comedy podcast in which I, Jamie, a politically innocent but curious young man, have the complicated political happenings of the world explained to me by people who know more about that kind of thing. This week, we are handling Venezuela. What? What? (laughs) Amazing. Um, Now, this Venezuela came to us as a... uh, a uh, listener request for an explanation by our, our, our friend of the show named Jesse Byers. Yes, consummate um, listener, fan number one, great yeah, guy, great, great guy. beard, um, masterful puppet maker. That's all those things are true. <laughs> They're all true things. Um, and yeah, and and Jamie, when he got this request, realized he actually didn't know anything about what was happening in yeah. Venezuela. Yeah, let, let me paint the scene. There I am at my computer, one in the morning. I get a <laughs> I get a message from uh, from good old Jesse Byers asking us to cover the Venezuela uh, situation. I think he put it. Um, he he found he knew very little about it. Was able to garner very little about it from his social media and from uh, from his his ability to search the news. And in that moment, I realized I had no idea that anything was happening in Venezuela of of, of major note. I, uh, I I know that uh, I know that Venezuela is. Uh, has like a contentious uh, 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 government, uh, but I don't know. I haven't heard any any recent news uh, in, right. in recent days. Yeah, and you so, know something's going on. Yeah, so I picked up the phone, said to Richard, Venezuela. He said it's done, and he yeah. hung up mysteriously. And then I mysteriously hung up the phone and immediately <laughs> called my Venezuelan friend, <laughs> who, whose uh, sonorous laughter you may have been hearing in the background. So we're very pleased to welcome uh, yeah. Jimena Huizi onto the show. How'd I do? How'd I do with your name? It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's going to be the quality of all of the information in today's podcast. Maybe, do you want to say your full name so that the audience knows when we screw up and how badly we screw up? Sure, yeah. I'm Jimena Uisi. Oh, so close. That's not my full name. The age is is silent. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The age is always silent. I always forget that. Mm -hmm. Jimena Uisi. Yeah. Uisi. Uisi. Yeah. All right. Unless you're saying Hugo or Hugo, right? In which which case. we will be. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 we just H, might. H might. Go right. Back and forth. The H goes back and forth. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And um, Jimena is a you know a Venezuelan Canadian theater artist and friend of mine, um, who I wanted to have on just to to provide a bit of like lived experience and just like um, this is an interesting topic because a huge part of what is happening in Venezuela is a shitload of misinformation. Mm. Um, And so, you know, um, I I became kind of keenly aware of my own extremely detached perspective of from Venezuela as I was researching it. So uh, Jimena very kindly agreed to come on to just just be another voice in the room to to kind of like be a part of this conversation and and bring a different perspective than the one that I bring, which I'm very grateful for. Yes, yes, yes. We all are. We all are. We all are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you guys say we get started? I say let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it! Back from the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, guys. Venezuela. 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 Yeah, yeah. Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah. Venezuela. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I feel like 
Jimena, I'm sorry, but I will probably anglicize a lot of the Hispanic words yeah. in this. I just, I think it would be more embarrassing if I tried to say them with like Spanish inflections. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to try sometimes. I will try. Yeah, I'll try. I could yeah. try if you, if you, if you want me to, I'll try. You shouldn't feel that bad because I very often uh, bastardize English pronunciations of English words. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, uh, tit for tat. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pronounced teat for tate. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, who's Tate, and why does he get so many teats? And why does he have that museum? <laughs> um, okay, so I know we kind of covered it already, but for the sake of the format of our show, yes. Jamie, what do you know about what's happening in Venezuela right uh, now? Honestly, not much. Most. Uh, uh, my, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. There's that episode of Parks and Recreation where the Venezuela government comes and visits, <laughs> and like they have a a, a partner, a, a sister city relationship, and they're just like shitting on uh, uh, the whatever the Indiana town that they that they live in. Right. And uh, Fred Armisen plays the uh, the ambassador, and that's most of what I know about the Venezuelan dictatorship. Government? No, not well. well uh, <laughs> it's like going that way pretty quick. Okay. Okay. Um, it's it's a very wealthy country uh, with oil. No, what you're saying is correct, but right. this is the what you're talking about is the problem. Oh, yeah. essentially, you've gotten into. They all depict of the themselves problems. as being very wealthy. Well, no, we. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll get into it. This is why we need to explain it. This is all good. No, you're oh, no. not. I mean, the, the population is comprised only of clowns. Kind of true. Yeah, kind of true. Point. No, what's interesting about what you're saying is that, like, these are all things that have been true at different times. You know, like. Um, in Venezuela's history, and especially in Venezuela's recent history, the, the situation in Venezuela is like nuanced and changing all the time. So it's good that we're explaining it because like everything that you just said is in play, mm. but the specifics of how it all fits together just need a little arranging, if okay. that makes sense. Would it be incorrect for me to say that Venezuela mm -hmm. is next to Brazil and Colombia? That would be correct. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Okay, finally, point on the board. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so um, so the, the basic thrust of what's happening right now is Venezuela is facing an economic crisis. Uh -huh. um, and it's a really, really serious economic crisis. It's gotten so serious to the point where um, the flow of goods into Venezuela has gotten so bad that, like, basic needs and basic the basic essentials of life are no longer available to most people except through essentially the black market so if you if you go to the supermarket in venezuela a you have to wait in line for a really long time and b a lot of the shit you need is not going to be there and even if you can get it it's going to be very expensive hmm. um that's kind of like the gist of it and this this applies to everything um and the the place where that's getting a lot of publicity is that it's really affecting healthcare and hmm. and hospitals so like basic medicines aren't functioning anymore. There's also rolling blackouts in a lot of Venezuelan cities, in, which affects the hospitals. Like, the power will go off in the hospital. Um, there's a lot of sensationalism in the Western media about what's happening in Venezuela for reasons that we will talk about. Um, but, but also, from what I understand, it is really bad, and it's pretty extreme. So, like, I, I heard an interview with a Venezuelan neuroscientist saying he finished a surgery once with the flashlight on his iPhone 
because the power went out in the hospital. Jeez. Also, if you go to the hospital, you have to bring your own mm. gauze and bandages and food. And anesthesia. And yeah, and and medicine. Some and like some that. some specific medicine you have to like attain for yourself, or you can't. Um, they can't just proceed with. Wow. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So like hospitals are just basically just buildings with people in them now. That's yeah. right. And right. a lot of the times, people lying on the floor. You know, people like they the the this doctor said the hospital was it looks like a war hospital, um, right? Because. The conditions are so bad. They just don't have resources. There's just no resources coming into the country or, or there's like a real, there are choke points of resources coming mm. into the country and it's very hard to distribute them correctly. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Can, maybe let's, let's take a step back and go back in time and, and see the, uh, so why is, this why happening? is this happening? Yeah. What, what, what is the, what are the, what was the series of events that led to this? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. That so, was a whirlpool of confusing political yeah. So after Adam was kicked out of the garden of Eden, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So my research, so the Spanish came, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, they came on horses. Aztecs thought they were one creature. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're in modern day Venezuela. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Aztecs, no, no. Um, <laughs> no Aztecs in Venezuela. No. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> yeah. Guys, that's the conceit of this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta stop looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, okay, okay. But there's lots of, like, little tribes. I may be mixing, like, like Brazilian and Venezuelan, like, but, like, there's lots of tribes that live isolated yeah. in the rainforest. Yeah. And so yeah. it'd be impossible to to accommodate, like, not accommodate, for, uh, to calculate yeah. all of them. Mm -hmm. And there are often, like, par like parallel dynamics to Canada's relationship with its indigenous peoples as there are in South America. There's, like, you know, still, there's a colonial trauma, and mm. the, the dynamics of colonialism are very much at play in South American society as they are in Canadian society. Right. And it does come into play in the story we're telling today, too. Yeah. Um, so... My research began in the 1950s. Like, that's where kind of the thread of this story that I just kind of like was like, okay, this is where a lot of news stories are starting. So I'm just going to arbitrarily start in the 1950s. So in the 1950s, um, Venezuela had a military dictatorship led by a dude whose first name I forget, but whose last name was Jimenez, I think is his name. Um, and this was a pretty authoritarian, oppressive military regime that was extremely unpopular. Right? In Venezuela. In Venezuela. Um, and so there was a mass movement of people who basically ousted this dictator. Um, and in the period between the 50s and the 90s, what happened was um, there was a democratic rule, but it was not really that democratic. What happened was <laughs> this really bizarre and interesting thing where the kind of main right-wing party and the main center-left party uh, agreed that in order to keep the communists from ever getting power, they would trade being the president every four years with each other. So they had a legislature like the Canadian legislature where the like uh, the head of state is voted in by whoever is uh, the, by, the, by the parliament, but they just agreed that they would form a coalition every time and alternate presidents. <laughs> Right. Um, so there was like this totally fake democracy, basically. This is El, el Pacto de Punto Fijo? That's that right, yes, yeah. that's what it is. Which is ironic, because yeah. it's like 
the fixed point. That's what fact. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We don't want any crazies getting in here That's holding right. on to the onto the leadership and never letting go. So yeah. we better set up a system in which we never have to let go. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, so this, good, good. this persisted. I played a very similar game with a little boy on the playground when I was five years old, and he had a stick. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted that stick. Yeah, and he yeah. would not let me have it. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so this persisted through the, the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. But um, as you correctly said, Venezuela is an oil, extremely oil-rich country. In fact, um, they say, and I think this is sort of undisputed, they have the world's largest We oil have reserve. all the oil they in the, the world. The most oil. They have the most oil. We have so much have oil. tons of oil. Um, There's so much oil. Yeah. And so... How much oil? <laughs> so much oil, Jamie. Too much oil. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and... And so you may, we've mentioned it briefly once or twice, but in the, at the end of the 1970s, there was a huge uh, oil crisis, right? There was a massive collapse in the price of oil, which caused, um, which caused an economic downturn all over the world, right? Sure. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, and this hit Venezuela really hard. And so uh, the government of Venezuela went to the International Monetary Fund for for assistance. Um, and the International Monetary Fund, kind of like what's happening in the EU right now, has all these criteria for what you have to do in order to get money for assistance. And the main stuff is that you have to like bring your spending into line, right? You have to you have to uh, do austerity, basically. You have to cut the social programs and cut the amount of spending the government's doing beyond a certain po uh, point in order to get the money. Mm. And so the Venezuelan government did this. Uh, it cut its social programs, and this really disproportionately affected the poor and working class and rural people of Venezuela. And it also conveniently started enriching the the highest classes of Venezuela. In huh. a word, this that worked out though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, this was really interesting because what happened in Venezuela in the 1980s was people figured it out. This was already happening all over the West. It, it, this was neoliberalism beginning, mm. but people in Venezuela identified neoliberalism as the cause of their suffering as they started to get poor the the average person started to get poorer but the elite started to get richer they went wait a minute this is bullshit like why are we the ones bearing all of the the suffering here and the people at the top are getting rich right they they this be this became uh, this idea penetrated venezuelan society way earlier than it began to penetrate north american society right in the 80s yeah and, and so at, the, at this point in time just so i have my time schedule set the, we are the government is still doing this fun that's tradesies right. game that's correct okay yeah they're still doing that now in the flashpoint of all of this is in 1989. Um, there's this massive protest. I was born. Hey. Yeah. Humana, when Humana, when Humana <laughs> was born, everything That's changed. Really <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there was this huge protest in, uh, well, it was across the country, but it was centered in Caracas. And it was mm -hmm. called, oh my God, the Caracas Zao? Is that what it's called? What, please tell me. El Caracaso. The Caracaso. Thank you. Um, I'm not reading off my notes. I've seen the word several times. I don't have no, actual no. notes. <laughs> they're all in this, here. That's, they're not, that's not what this show yeah. is. So, <laughs> no. so the, the, the Caracaso was this really insanely passionate, massive protest in which the government opened fire on its own people. Um, uh, so like, you know, the like it was, it was a, a mass it was every like everyone in the country was in some way involved in this protest yeah. it felt like you know it was like the whole country hit the streets and there was such outrage that the government had sent in the military and the military had opened fire um that 
even though the most of the actual violence only happened on I think one day, it, like the images of dead people in the streets, young people, students, poor people, um, really, really turned Venezuelan popular opinion against the government. Hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's what are your um, thoughts on yeah, this? yeah, so in. many, uh, yeah. kinda. Um, yeah, it's important I think to to just really like nail in just like how bad it had gotten for like the poor populations like in in Venezuela like how the disparity had gotten just entirely out of hand mm -hmm. uh, so when this protest arises like it, the act like the massiveness of the like civil unrest act mm -hmm. in terms of like acknowledging this notion that this what you called neoliberalism yeah. um, notion um, had seeped like it needed to break like the disparity like the the way that it, the economy was being managed and how rich the upper classes were getting and how poor the lower classes were getting and how wide that gap was like really really stretching was mm -hmm. it just really needed to give right um that's that's really interesting you mentioned that because in our last episode the communism episode if you haven't listened to it go check it out um we were talking about how uh about the the sort of all uh, the the creep of capitalism and the uh, uncaring, unempathetic, uh, uh, self-serving creep of capitalism, and how the like, you know, I sort of introduced the idea what maybe the solution is to just let let it go, let it get so bad that nobody can look you in the eye and tell you it's it's not happening. But here we have an example of that exactly happening. Of yeah, the whole country realizing what, that they are you know effectively slaves to a system. And uh, and aren't getting the proper the treatment that the system can afford them, mm -hmm. and they and the whole thing broke as it sounds. Yeah, I mean, um, the Caracazo didn't. The change happened after the Caracazo was a, a like a massive turning point in Venezuela's identity. It mm -hmm. kind of created. Many people have said it created modern Venezuelan politics essentially because it really. Um, it was like the final nail in the coffin for the average Venezuelan person accepting the neoliberal consensus, right? Which is what all we Canada is a part of that consensus. Most of the entire Western world is agrees to operate in the neoliberal model. Um, but the Venezuelan people would not accept it after that point. Like, like basically, it's kind of what happened. And it took a couple years, um, but it was three years later in 1992 when uh, a young ish military officer named Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez? Yeah, Hugo. Oh, Hugo. Doing, okay, Hugo. I'll probably use both. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially Jimena, who has to sit here and hear it. Um, he attempted a coup. <laughs> like, like he was, um, he, he was uh, indigenous born. Um, so he's like culturally of one of the indigenous groups in Venezuela. And he was a like junior military officer. Right. And he l led his army unit and tried to take like oust the government mm. in 1992 um and this was he failed and was put in jail but he was super popular like people were really happy <laughs> that he had tried to do this and he had tons of support lots of people thought this was the kind of thing that needed to happen that this government just needed to get kicked out by the army and the army in venezuela has a very different um it acts as its own entity a little more than an army would in certainly the US or Canada right. in that like 
A, it was thrown into confrontation with it, with its own citizens so much more than the army ever w- it has been in Canada in recent history. So, like, a lot of the time, like, there are anecdotes of during these big protests, um, like, uh, the troops were squaring off against prote- against protesters, and, like, um, like, the officer would be like, wait, wait, and he'd ask all the protesters, like, where are you from, where are you from? And he'd be like, see, these are poor people, like, you guys in the army, you're all poor people, like, we shouldn't shoot, you know, like, we shouldn't shoot. Like, the army was also starting to get pissed off at the government, right? That's, you know, that's one of those things, I, every time I see a video of, uh, <laughs> like, sorry, I, I guess something like that, or, like, riot police especially, is I think, like, you know, at the end of the day, you have to take your uniform off and, like, go to the grocery store. Right. You know, and what if you run into somebody yeah. <laughs> that you were being abusive to? And, like, yeah, these, you know, it's, I, I really try and resist um, the urge that I feel like some people have to go, like, oh, no, you're police and I'm not, or you're military and I'm not. It is different, you know, different lifestyles, different ideologies. But like at the end of the day, they they're they're just people who are given a position <laughs> with a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that's right. Um, they're yeah, like the armed yeah. wing of the state. That's exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. just like the people who the state pays to have force. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> no, and that again, it's like a dynamic that's a lot more alive in a place like Venezuela, where the army oh. is used against its own people, than somewhere like canada where generally the army's not used generally it's more cops and things like that right 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 um tell that to louis riel right no i mean (laughs) for real um yeah and it's history that's like playing out like that that relationship to the army's relationship to the people um when you if we fast forward to like the events today Mm -hmm. um in in like the last month and the toll of like casualties and and wounded in how in like this like really constant um act of civil unrest that has been going on for the last month right so like right now we're looking at over around 40 casualties in from protests wow um since yeah about a month ago okay so so not so the this all started with the this economic crash Uh and we we lost uh, venezuelan people lost you know tons of um, valuable materials that they need for their needs. Not, not just food. valuable materials, like any the stuff you need to get through your day. Yeah, yeah, is food, very hard to get. Clothes, food, yeah. like uh, medicine, everything. And now there are there are protests and riots. And yeah, so I mean, I, I jumped from. Yeah, we, we're still yeah. kind of somewhere in the eighties. In in our in, 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 we're in the early nineties. In the early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so there's a whole like. There's an entire chavismo. Yeah, let's um, let's movement. let's 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 connect that dot. This mm. is an important. Yeah. This is an important. A, see, the, this is kind of the most the, important part oh, of the okay. story. <laughs> this is now the story. Yeah. So, Hugo Chavez. So, n- 1992. Hugo yeah, 1992. Chavez. Uh, Chavez. Hugo Chavez. Chavez is put in jail after his failed coup, but he's a really popular public figure, and he continues to be a popular public figure in jail. Um, everyone is getting so angry with the government that I think in '96. They agree to release him as kind of like a way to... And pardon him. Yeah, and pardon him. Which Bec- means... So this is the part that's like... Um, and I might need to look at this. Yeah, I'm but, skipping. I mean, um, I'm kind of simplifying here because the, the no, no, 2000s are really what we need um, to talk about. Right, yeah. But the thing is that he... Uh, because he had been imprisoned over a military like crime 
uh, he technically was unel- would have been uneligible to, to run to for run the presidency. For, yeah, that's right. Right. But then I I know a rap song <laughs> that, that has explained to me <laughs> what happens to Mr. Hugo. Um, really, he, he gets assassinated. No, no, nope. that's not what happens. Not really? Him. Yeah, that nope. didn't happen to to him. He, he died of cancer. of cancer. Really? Like three years ago. Who let them assassinate yeah. Hugo Chavez? Who let them assassinate Eva Morales? Who let them assassinate Salvador Allende? That dude I didn't let him, but they did it anyway. That yeah. dude didn't. No. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Maybe Caesar Chavez? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, it's just a dishonest rap song. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. Who knew, guys? Rap did not hold all the secrets of the <laughs> of the political like, world. Sounds like I need to explain it to Jaquan, <laughs> whoever that is. <laughs> it's definitely not Jaquan. Jay- Flowbots was who it was. Oh, well, yeah. Well, don't listen to Flowbots anymore, guys. Yeah. They have misleading information, guys. Or do just don't trust um, their okay, historical value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so Ch- Chavez released and pardoned. He runs for president in, I believe, the '98 election and wins in this insane landslide Mm -hmm. like like he just destroys the uh the two parties who have been sharing power i think he gets like 80 percent of the voters his numbers all through his political career were wild he was he's like one of the most popular like public politicians of all time you know like He's more popular in his country than Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel is in her country, and she in Germany, and she's like crazy popular for a politician. So, right. Um, mm. So, so Chavez, uh, Chavez comes in, and he basically spends the first almost like two terms of his pre- time as president just fighting off attacks to destroy him from the right, from from the opposition. Um, the opposition unites into like a single party and they just try to get rid of him all kinds of ways for a number of years. Um, oh, and I haven't even really talked about this. I thought it was, I mean, I kind of implied it, but like his platform was like, we're going to undo this neoliberalism bullshit, you know, like, and at first his platform was actually pretty recognizable to us in North America. It was like pretty center left, like NDP style stuff where it's like better social programs, you know, like a little bit of redistribution, like we're going to get the income inequality under control, but it wasn't anything like revolutionary is what I would say about it. It was just kind of reasonable. Right. Um, But he never really... I mean, it was dubbed a revolution. Yeah, he said it was a revolution, but what the actual stuff on paper was at this time in the, like, late 90s when he first gets elected, it was not radical. Um, It becomes radical, but we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, So for a while, all he does is try to try to hold on to the presidency there is a failed like military coup against him like they try to take him out with the military that doesn't work then they try to um what happens is all the managers like the upper bureaucrats and things like that of the oil companies all go on strike so the they try to shut down the oil companies that strike was crazy yeah i yeah like the whole like we i missed school for like a month. A month? Wow. I mean, I, I actually should talk, call my mom and be like, what are the actual dates that we were off, but what felt like a month? Yeah, it was, and we, this was like, 2002, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'm, like, marched. That's the thing. Like, I'm a child of the opposition. Like, I grew up in an opposition family. Mm-hmm, right. um, the opposition being opposition to Hugo Chavez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and... We marched, so the like the one big event, the one like that, like I remember, um, which I wrote a piece about and just kind of marked 
my first relationships to these protests mm-hmm. um, was the 11th of April of 2002. Yes, One? I believe it was. Two? I think it was I'm two. Totally but again, you know, these dates kind of tend to come um, together. I think it was. It's, a, it's a pretty important one, and he like actually left the country right for like two days um and then um ended up coming back uh mm-hmm. because i will not remember his name um uh. anyway i don't remember the political details because yeah. i was 11 <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and i sh- should look into it and don't um but this the strike the oil strike was crazy and the biggest thing about it was that cars would line up literally like eight to ten blocks of cars parked for like seven to eight hours to fill up tanks so we would you would pack like a picnic for the day and all of your game boards and like set up a barbecue and like (laughs) like literally park your car like go at like six in the morning and park your car outside of a parking like uh, of a gas station in a line mm-hmm. that just formed for hours on end and then they would like fill up the like fill up cars for as much t- gas as they had and then you would sometimes make it and sometimes you wouldn't and right. then you would just call it the entire wow the entire like gas industry school wow. <laughs> like all schools all movie theaters like just mm-hmm. like stores was on strike wow so effectively as soon as your tank got half empty, you're like, well, better go, <laughs> better go fill it up. I want to <laughs> very quickly double dip that rap lyric. Okay, yeah, hit me. Um, because I got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the first time they go through it, he says, uh, who let them overthrow uh, Jacob Arbenz? Who let them overthrow Mohammed Mozadek? Who let them assassinate Salvador Allende? I didn't let them, but they did it anyway. Don't let them assassinate Hugo Chavez. Don't let them assassinate Evo Morales. And bring back Martin, Malcolm, Medgar, Hampton, Schwerner, Goodman, Cheney. Sweet. So don't let them overthrow. Don't let them. Well, they didn't. They didn't. So I owe a huge apology to the Flowbots, the very popular rap group from the mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, It's worth worth saying also, I mean, in the end, the strike ends because... um, Okay. In the end, Chavez, uh, he breaks the strike. Like, they just get, they kind of, like, replace the managers with people who were workers, and then they manage to get the oil companies rolling again. So the strike is kind of well, ineffective in getting rid of him. expropriates yeah. all the oil companies. Yeah, that happens, that happens in, like, a couple years. A couple of years, yeah. okay. First, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, it happens <laughs> soon. Yeah, it happens quite soon. Um, he's also, at this time, really paranoid about Americans murdering him. I mean, and he has, he is kind of through his entire, yeah, he is the through flow his bots. entire The Flowbots knew more than we thought they did. Um, <laughs> like, you know, America has a pretty shit history of going in and murdering people in Latin America who are leftists, who are elected by their people. Sure. And so, uh, so he's probably not wrong about that. But also then it also becomes kind of a convenient excuse for all your problems, right? Like, oh, like yeah. you can blame American influence on anything, regardless of if it's true or not. Because the thing is, probably some of the time, it actually might be true. America mm-hmm. is trying to get rid of you. Like, America had a huge vested interest in getting rid of him, but were the problems that he's disc- like that he would blame bl- blame America for always America's fault? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. I think at some point he said that they gave him cancer. Yeah, that's so. I mean, I don't maybe know. the Flowbots. You know, maybe <laughs> they should have prayed harder. <laughs> yeah. Like how America can do that, but. Right. 
Well, yeah. Vladimir Putin seems to be finding ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> feeding people radioactive <laughs> shit. <laughs> 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 Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so yeah, so, yeah. was so, that too real? Yeah, <laughs> are we worried about? Yeah. Are we worried about Putin reacting poorly to this podcast? What are you talking about? I don't love Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I don't work for him. <laughs> why would I have a Benny? Why would I feel emotional about that? Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, okay, so then, so there was a military coup, there was the strike, and then in 2005 there's a recall election. Um, the, the opposition, like, um, manages to get enough seats in the legislature that they can initiate, like, a... It's not an impeachment, because, it, like, in, th- we don't have this, we don't have this mechanism in, in, uh, in, in North America the same way, like, because in order to be impeached as the president of um, America, you have to commit, like, a crime. Right. Like, like, that's what impeachment is. But they have a mechanism in Venezuela to just be like, enough people don't want this person to be president for whatever reasons, not necessarily, like, a criminal charge, but, like, we are able to have, like, a referendum on if this person should still be the president outside the normal presidential election. Mm -hmm. So they initiate a recall vote against um, Chavez, and he wins. Right. Again, after kind of all this has been happening. And he uses this recall vote as kind of like... This recall vote is kind of the end of the the period of his career where he's just fending off attacks and what he does is he kind of goes on the offensive and, mm-hmm. and he decides to radically remake um, the economy of Venezuela and Venezuelan society in what he calls um, Bolivarian socialism is that that's the correct socialismo bolivariano yeah uh-huh. um, Bolivarian Boliv- Bolivarian Bolivarian Bol- yeah Bolivarian 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 I yeah. think that's how they yeah. anglicize it yeah, yeah. Um, and so basically Do we know about Bolivar I don't, but okay. I did read the word Bolivarian today so, and go like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Bolivar was the, like, our independence, like, liberator. Okay. So he, like, led the independence wars yeah. in Venezuela, oh, okay. Colombia. Like, from um, Spain. Ah, uh, that is yeah. much more, makes much more, more sense. Because the reason yeah. I noticed that word is I was like, Bolivarian, like... Bolivia? Yeah, it's also the name of a currency. Yeah, so oh. the, the, the do, like the dollar is called the Bolivar. Uh, the Bolivar. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it it it, it oh. accesses. It's both like a patriotic thing about emancipating yourself from your colonial powers, and it's a reference to their own money. And right? it's, it's kind of it's a clever a word. Huge, huh? um, like rally. Like right. his yeah. image and like his um, name in in terms of like and it was how, named and, and Chavez's rhetoric around like okay. him being like just like the next Bolivar and like yeah like oh, okay. there's Bolivar was like a Spanish um, descent he was like a Spanish man mm-hmm. um, and he like changed the this pictures of Bolivar to look more indigenous and like more like the like mixed Venezuelan in order to like kind of like what s- people do with Jesus kind of <laughs> yeah. right, but right, like right. backwards yeah, you know right. like yeah, they yeah, make yeah. Jesus white yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he was doing the opposite yeah. to what I thought um, Jesus was the first white guy yeah yeah no <laughs> no definitely not huh. just like what ha- this is like or it's like what happened to the last samurai yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like by Tom Cruise yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or the Great Wall or yeah whatever that new movie that's coming out is the 
I forget. It's a, it's uh, a some, Japanese yeah. word. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, yeah. The latest. Some handsome yeah. white guys playing it. Um, so basically what Bolivarian Socialism was, was a huge series of social programs that were designed to raise up the rural poor people who were like the massive, who were the most of Chavez's base mm -hmm. and who had been traditionally really stepped upon and trod upon in Venezuelan society. So he, it gave them access to education. It gave them access to tons of resources and, and there was an affirmative action program for mm -hmm. indigenous people. There and there was price fixing. This was like a big thing about it. So like the price of certain goods in supermarkets and stuff was set to be accessible to people, um, and and this was all paid for with oil money. Now this is kind of like the most important thing in the equation. Always, all of the articles, all the talking, it always comes back to this. Venezuela is an oil company. Uh, sorry, an oil company. It, I mean, that's a way of looking at it. <laughs> Venezuela is an oil country, but it's like only an oil country. Uh -huh. Ninety-six percent of its e uh, export money comes from oil. Like, like that's wow. what it's that's what it's exporting. It's exporting oil. And in the mid two thousands, the price of oil was super high, and it was making a shitload of money. Right. So. So it was in a situation where because like the price of goods in the supermarket was set, right? Um, and it was low, so it was affordable to people. Mm. Sometimes like the price of producing flour or like corn flour was a little lower than it actually cost to produce it, right? But the oil money, like the huge amount of oil money meant that the government could basically just subsidize people. Like it could just help like give people money essentially to keep things rolling right. um, because there was so much money coming in. It was and it was because the price of oil was really high because there was a ton of demand from China and from Asia as they like this is when they started exploding their manufacturing their capacity. So there there was tons of desire for oil over right. there. I have a couple questions before we get too far from the point. Yeah. Forgive me if you've already said so I know that Hugo Chavez spent a lot of his time defending himself from opposition. Right. Um, is he at, 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 uh, in this point in the story? Is he still in power? Is he, oh yeah, he's still. Yeah. This is okay. his. This is his big project. Oh okay, okay, okay. I'm, uh, that that's good to know. Also, this sounds a lot like, but not quite like a UBI, which we talked about in a previous episode. Right. How is it different? So that? people didn't receive money. I don't think directly uh, in this program. It was like it's like the opposite of a UBI almost. Instead of giving people money so that they can go out in society and buy stuff, you control society so that the money you do make gets you all the stuff. Oh, okay. Right. So instead of being like, okay, so it costs you a hundred bucks a week to live here, and you make you know 80 bucks so here's an extra 20 bucks it's like you make 80 bucks the stuff you need now costs 80 bucks uh -huh, that's see, so I the see. government like it was a it's a way, way more kind of heavy government control on things okay and it caused these little what started as like these little discrepancies like i said where things would cost more to produce than they than they were to sell in mm -hmm. the super in the, in the supermarket, but that was kind of made okay by the fact that the government could keep those productions going. Those companies didn't have to turn a profit because the government would subsidize you with oil money, right? Right. Um, and then another consequence of this was that Venezuela started producing very little other stuff than oil in its own country, and they started importing almost everything: food, medicine, basic goods. 
Um, people always, for some reason, I don't know if it's just Western media manipulation, but they always mention diapers, like baby diapers, baby formula. I think it's definitely like... Probably. That's yeah, probably it's emotional manipulation. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you think like, of a diaper, you're like, oh, those babies, babies poop babies, themselves. Yeah, babies the babies just pooping on themselves. Um, how horrible. Like, <laughs> um, but, but this is a thing, this is a consequence, is that... There's well, it's that you would think that a country that has so much oil money could maybe manage a way to, like... Source its own diapers. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. that's uh, the point. And here's one of the mysteries to me that, as not being an economist and not being a South America expert and not speaking Spanish, that I still don't fully understand is they never diversified their economy. They tried a few times, but they always failed. I think partly because of government corruption. Like, I think it was like, we're going to build a huge sugar refinery here, but then the money for the sugar refinery you know it kind of right, when right. all these mysterious places in the sugar refinery never existed right mm-hmm. um in coffee there's coffee there's sugar there's other things that can be produced in venezuela but it's they're, a plentiful country yeah, yeah. but they're for some reason not being produced did you know it there. has every single ecosystem in the world i didn't <laughs> i didn't even know yeah. that hugo chavez wasn't assassinated so so in the mid 2000s all this to say this this bolivarian socialism project in the mid 2000s venezuela finds itself in a situation where it's spending a ton of money on all these social programs to bring the poor up and improve their lives Mm -hmm. but it has zero diversity in its economy it's all bet on oil Right, and as an Albertan, I, bet I was about you're to about say. to see what's <laughs> going to happen. It's yeah, yeah. a sounding very familiar to you, oh, and yeah. b you can see what's going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound like um, Alberta. The Alberta thing was like as dire. Well, it's because can you imagine if Alberta didn't have the farms, right? Like, like, didn't just do had anything oil. else? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Alberta was really hit hard just by Massive. the oil right Massively, like just yeah. like devastated can you imagine if it hadn't had the farms you and it and if it was its own country right yeah. which i mean i feel like you could fit venezuela into over into alberta yeah yeah oh yes a couple of times uh, what what is the population of venezuela uh 31 million yeah something like that great it's like a little smaller than canada but it's geographically obviously much smaller than canada right right much, so much smaller. Yeah, although land wise you could fit venezuela and alberta population wise it it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot denser by about yeah. fifteen times. Yeah. Um, okay. So ten times. Ten times. So we're in the <laughs> mid two thousands. This this big Bolivarian socialism project is underway, and it chugs along, even though it's kind of an unstable system. Um, it chugs along while the oil money's coming in. The oil money is kind of like what keeps it working. Hmm. Um, all of a sudden, then we enter two thousand fourteen, and in two thousand fourteen, the price of oil. Dramatic. This is the year it like cuts in half in six months. This is the year Alberta gets hit super hard. Right. But also Venezuela immediately is in trouble. Right. right? They have to they rely on money. Like they they rely on their foreign reserves, like the money that Venezuela, the country, has in the bank to to get everything. Because they have to import everything. So they're paying companies in other countries to bring to, to bring stuff in. They have to pay for everything. Well no already um, he's expropriated it. Oh yeah, so right. So all of the other all of the old companies went from being <coughs> privatized and like with for like with ties to foreign companies. Yeah. And Chavez 
expropriate. Yeah, them. so he, so he, mm. so the government seizes all the oil companies, and they become public, and right, also right. fires every single employee from all of those com- oil companies who had signed against him in this initial referendum that we mentioned earlier, right. huh. which led to like the first mm, kind of like wave of like migration out. So all of a sudden. Um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like oil engineers and people who had like built their lives and livelihood around these oil industries are completely entirely left without a job because have of having spoken out against his government right Mm -hmm. uh which actually led a lot of them to alberta so like canada says it's way its first wave of venezuelans come um migrating out and this is around like i feel like 2006 yeah, seven? six, six, seven. Six, yeah, yeah. Seven? This would have been when this started happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's huh. yeah, that's right. He so now the government is entirely like it has seen all of the benefits from the oil mm-hmm. because they they oh, control yeah. it, yeah. but now they're also entirely responsible to deal with this crash. Right. Right. Yeah, and and, uh-huh. and instead of instead of doing something. Like frankly, smart like like a permanent fund. Like instead of <laughs> taking all the money from the oil company, investing it in a huge fund, and using the interest every year to fund all the social programs, and having a little bit more conservative social programs, and then because you have less money, realizing you need to diversify your economy, um, they they just use the money to buy stuff. They were like right. they were like, oh, we need this stuff. Well, we have the money. Let's just pay for it now. Right. And suddenly, when they don't have the money, you know what I like is trouble. how everyone in Venezuela in talks the, like a, yeah, talks like a 1920s newsy. Yeah. That's, that's also a little known fact. Yeah. You hear that flowbots? Yeah. <laughs> Write a rap about that. Um, yeah, so so in 2014 when the price of oil halves, all of a sudden um, Venezuela is in trouble because it, it needs to it like suddenly not as much money is coming in, so it can't import as much stuff. And it um, it, it, it starts using all kinds of uh, bizarre economic magic to try to disguise how in how in trouble it is oh, it's and this get, is it gets so confusing yeah this is and this is the beginning of the 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 problem it's tricky to understand so I won't like get into the nuts and nuts and bolts of it but basically the the key is that all of the international trade is done in American dollars, right? Like you pay, when you import stuff, you import stuff using American money. Okay. So the government, you can't, in Venezuela, you can't just like go to your own bank and be like, hey, I'd like 10 American dollars, please. Like you can here. You have to get American dollars from the government. They have all the American dollars. Uh, and you have to exchange bolivars, like the Venezuelan money, for American dollars. And there's only like a quote of dollars. that. So you have to apply to the government to get like permission to try to buy a certain amount of dollars. Right. So there's a whole they, they control bureaucratic the of dollars. Um, right. process that you well, have is to it, it's, is it like when you go to the bank, like when I will go to the bank to buy British pounds if I'm going to London, then like I have to, if I'm getting a certain amount, I have to call ahead of time and say... This no, it's nothing like that. No, oh. not at all. Here's what it's like. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's like if you. It's it's no. That's that's a dream. That's just so they can. That's, that's just yeah, yeah. so they can okay. have it ready. Yeah. Um, but in Venezuela, <laughs> they control the supply, so it's like you're only allowed to have American dollars for certain reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. And like if you bring only certain amount of dollars. Yeah. Um, so like if you if you so if you're like I want I I run a business I want to import clothes they have to approve that you're gonna import right. the clothes so, you have so to, it's like, like fill like out this application that goes to the government hey government I really like would like to like uh, I need these many dollars for this reason right. and for this period of time can I can I please have your permission to buy from you these dollars right. and then that they'll yeah. take and the thing is that the infrastructure in this like 
in this bad. government is so it's terrible so so bad like right. i like getting a passport getting your id getting your license means getting up at four in the morning standing outside of the passport office for four hours hoping that you get seen they're out of paper they're out of plastic yeah. um the the cards don't scan like the infrastructure is crumbling because right. where there's no money where this money that yeah. all of this money that was flowing in when we had like the great prices of oil <laughs> is all not all but is a lot lo lots of it is just getting pocketed right there's also so, this thing that happens so it's like it's like if i wanted if i'm going to london and i need British pounds, I call TD, and they're like, hey, you've got the wrong guys, you need to call the government. Yeah, yeah And so exactly. I call the government, and then I have to go through a Kafka-esque, uh, like, grant That's right. application That's process. That's and it, it may it may amount in them you, probably will amount in them saying like, no, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, and here's a cool sidebar, Jimena, maybe you can help talk about this. Um, well, cool sidebar is a weird way of looking at it. Here's something that really fucked Venezuela up. Um, so there's also, this is a crazy thing. In order, because you have to apply to the government for American dollars, um, there's three exchange rates for American dollars in <laughs> Venezuela. So if you're if you if you're like, hey, I want American dollars to buy a bunch of cotton candy because I love it, yeah. they'll be like, okay, well here's a super high exchange rate. It's like twelve. It's like it'll be like thirty bolivars for one American dollar. Right. But if you're like, I want to bring in insulin, it's like okay, six bolivars for one American dollar. So it's like more. So for essential things, it's supposed to be. It's like a lower Less. exchange rate. Right. Uh, but um, there's this like loophole people found where the government could give you money for flights and people started applying for money for they book flights in bolivars and then apply for the money they'd get the US dollars and then just resell US dollar the US money to other people on on the side the black right? market. so you can buy ah. black market US money for and you can get so many more bolivars for it oh, than yeah. you could with from the government if you just sell it to people because it's easier to get right like if you just okay. go to some dude you have to pay more but you don't have to wait in all the government's crazy bureaucracy right okay now this is once again me showing my like competitive side yeah if i uh, so what you're saying is that if I went to the bank and took all my money out in American dollars and I immediately flew down to Venezuela to you could make sell you that would be money, rich. yeah, you, you could make, make a money. shitload of money. You could live like you could, yeah. Uh, there's like some article. Some dude went down to Venezuela with something like five hundred dollars and like lived lavishly and did a bunch of coke and like just like traveled around Venezuela for like two months wow. just like you just exchange it and mm -hmm. it like the rate is just so so crazy and the inflation like the inflation in Venezuela right now is like three it's like uh, it's triple digit inflation in yeah right year. so right, it's like right. the inflation's getting out of control because the, there's so much demand for goods there are not goods because the the because the government fixes the exchange rate, right? The exchange rate doesn't move. It's like right. the government says this is the exchange rate. So because of that, the black market exchange rate is like way higher than the mm -hmm. government exchange rate. These are all economic also, fancy things that cause I don't inflation. know what you understand from this. This is something that I just like I have no like economics like understanding yeah. and I haven't dealt with that currency in like 8 years. Right. I went down there about four years ago and was like I don't I can't like I just cannot translate how much I'm paying for things yeah. Yeah. Um, because when I went down it had happened it had just happened and this is something that he did a lot which is maybe where we were going mm -hmm. uh, where he would just like move 
the, the, the like rate. coma yeah. on the value of the money. So yeah, like, that's right. That all of happens. a sudden, your like hundred dollar, your hundred Bolivar bills are ten right. or and yeah. or a thousand. thousand. Correct. That's right. Depending correct. on like what he needs to do to like regulate. Like to like balance out the inflation. I've heard about that being a tourist trap in uh, in Cuba before. Is uh, is because they have two different kinds two of currencies, money. one and for so foreigners and one for exactly. Cubans, and so yeah. you don't know what you're paying in, and so people are paying what seems like a normal amount of money, but for them it's like it's crazy. Yeah, they, of money. yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, anyway, so price of oil is really low. There's not a lot of money. They're using the exchange rate and things to disguise it, but people are starting to get wise. You know, there's a huge black market for American goods, and Venezuela starts burning through all of its money. Mm. Um, it, it, so it's both, it's really hard to bring stuff into Venezuela, and they need to import everything that they need, right, because they don't make anything in Venezuela. So it's inefficient and not worth very much money to do it. Right. So this is part of why how now this crisis begins forming three years ago, right? It's slowly and slowly. Well, yeah. I mean, like the, the, the current flashpoint of the crisis kind of starts when the oil price, mm -hmm. price cuts in half because it means that the flaws built into their system suddenly all become emergencies, right? right. Whereas they used to just be kind of quirks mm -hmm. that the government could compensate for with oil money. Once they can't compensate, the whole thing starts to become unstable. Mm -hmm. um, Chavez dies in 2014. And he appoints personally as his successor this guy named Nicolas Maduro, who's the president now. Um, and Maduro is uh, kind of like Not horrible at everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm gathering from Jimenez. Uh, yeah, or Chavez was um, like, oh, this is hard to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he is just a less uh, adept. Yeah, like version of Chavez. So where Chavez was dangerous and like did amazing social like like installed like all of this like social institutions and but also like ma mismanaged the media and like installed a horrible regime of like oppression yeah. and like expropriated TV channels that like spoke against him and mm -hmm. did all these awful things and did all like was a bit of a brilliant mastermind at the same time in how he like divided the country and really like wedged a separation between the Chavistas and the opposition and really pushed rhetoric. And this mm -hmm. is like a big thing, I think, in terms of, of when we like go away from the economy and into the people is mm -hmm. that Chavez's rhetoric, like he divided and conquered. Like that was his thing. Like mm -hmm. it was the poor against the rich um, mm -hmm. and, and the rich are bad. It's bad to be rich. And if they're rich, they're bad and they're bad against you. Like they're, their wealth is like a, per like a direct attack on like the people. Right. Um, and so where that like his revolution was weaved carefully and like intricately and dangerously by him maduro is like a clumsy yeah. not as skilled uh not as well spoken not as supported either by his people like by chavismo no. um version and so it's really he's really dangerous in terms of it uh, it's he's like a dangerous toddler Mad yeah, Maduro, Maduro is rapidly losing control of everything and as he's losing control he's acting more and more like a fully oppressive dictator yeah. which uh, it's important to say so, Chavez never did he did the things that Jimena is talking about where he he heavily influenced like the media environment the narrative of Venezuela but he also did legitimately win every election he won mm. and yeah uh, but <laughs> there's, there's no evidence well, he also changed the constitution so that he could get 
indefinitely reelected, that's true. and there's big questions about the validity, and there's like big international questions about the validity of some of these elections that he won, oh, and eventually, um, like eventually, they all I think got like legitimate, legitimate yeah, size, but there is also like footage of like big cardboard boxes of votes getting burned outside election polls. So it's um, and it's a dangerous narrative because in the media, the way that it gets treated is really dangerous because it can get used to push. Um, like the kind of things that leads to a US-led coup in, right. in, in in like the kind of rhetoric and so it doesn't get it gets really complicated that's just interesting, that interesting. How to no. I don't know if, are, you, if you, are you guys familiar with the play uh, Enemy of the People by uh, Henrik Ibsen yeah, yeah. it's like uh, yeah, with those that are, that are, uh, haven't read it at, at home it's this play about uh, this town in which the the water is being poisoned by their biggest export industry and mm-hmm. this young scientist discovers this <clears throat> his brother is in the is in the government and uh, and he ap- appeals to him to like we have to change this industry and the brother is like that's political suicide I yeah, can't yeah. destroy it and all the it's such a frustrating play because the whole while you're on the side of this young scientist cheering him on if only people would listen to him if only people just gave him power and put him <clears throat> in charge of these decisions we could we could uh, we could mm. solve it and at the end of the play uh, this is an adaptation I watched just just so, to be clear um, <clears throat> at the end of the play he's giving this impassioned speech and and the audience is fully on his side and and, and it looks like he's gonna win and we are so so satisfied that he is taking power from those who uh, who oppress and those who uh, ignore problems, and we're so so satisfied. And it, at the end, uh, in this particular production, there's a, a clever metaphor, but you realize that you've been cheering Hitler on the whole mm. time, yeah. and you've been like on the side of creating a dictatorship and creating a uh, you know, and his and his intentions started good, not Hitler, but this character in the play. His intentions started as I just want to make this a better place a safe place but in order to do that i have yeah. to do horrible things yeah we can we can do an enti- we could do a whole episode on hugo chavez we can't obviously like he 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 seemed to compared to maduro he seemed to honestly believe in something at least you know like yeah. he like he <clears throat> mismanaged the venezuelan economy horribly he did a lot he's he set up the the problem that is happening now but he also you know, he did have this crusade. He did want to improve the lives of these people, and he tried. Um, Maduro, uh, uh, by contrast, has kind of doesn't seem to give a shit about that yeah. goal anymore. He just wants to stay in power. Right. And now, well, so and I mean, it, like in terms of right now, Maduro um, is f- like faced with um, on the last uh, elections. Um, which kind of we oh. voted on like what's like our House of Commons, I guess, yeah, yeah. In, in, right. in, in relation to Canada. Um, and it was the first time in like tw- since Chavez was elected that it won a majority opposition. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the opposition had the majority in the legislature, but then he canceled the legislature. So he like actually took the powers like that allow the the, the legislature to like make, pa- laws. make laws and gave them to himself mm. and then well, the OIA, te- and technically he gave them to the Supreme Court right which yeah. is controlled by him he, yeah it's all his appointees um, right so then the OEA which is the um, like organization of um, American uh, what I, I fuck I'm gonna s- <laughs> you can swear. Oh, I can swear. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, we swear. Um, so they, they, they had like an extraordinary me- meeting <coughs> in which they um, like passed a resolution calling for Maduro to like they're quoting a democratic letter, which is basically this thing where um, South Americans country like promised that they would all like 
remain, um, oh, n- what is the word? <gasps> Not dictatorship? Democracies. Democracies? <laughs> wow. Uh, well, you, you, uh, <laughs> you, you pass your Canadian citizenship test, and then it all just flies away. It just went away. They would remain um, democratic. And so in cases of governments failing to remain democratic, this organization, everyone, everyone says, okay, we, so, we signed this thing, and we're going to, like, you can't, your signature can't be on this letter anymore because you're not being democratic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the first <clears throat> time where for, like, the Venezuelan people a like you like a organization of south american countries kind of like speaks out words the word dictatorship right um which is what we have been living under even if it hasn't been like a legal dictatorship Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been like dubbed that it now for the first time is and like there's so much there's so much like we could like talk for another hour about like just the last three years in terms of the protests, the political prisoners, the yeah. leaders of the opposition. Um, yeah, stuff like like the leader of the opposition was was imprisoned and barred. And then because he was imprisoned, he, he like Chavez was, he was ineligible to run for office anymore. Well, like, yeah. And then so there's he just actually like the second leader of the opposition who is not in prison has right. also been barred from becoming president so that's just happened years, a couple weeks a ago. couple of weeks ago yeah and so the students have been marching and protesting and it has actually been a group like for the first time it is not just the far right like the right of the right-winged opposition protesting mm. it is um yeah like the unrest the right. unhappiness Everybody. with his government is spreading mm. through chavismo right. like and the the oppression and the violence of Maduro's regime and the, his use of his military forces and not only his military forces but his armed civilian groups. So here's the thing that Maduro did: he has been like he's called for the civilian coalitions to like arm and prepare to defend his government. And so then, where the National Guard can't legally like can't use like firearms and they're just using like right, those yeah. like they're shooting um, blunts and. Yeah. Um, uh, like, like rubber, tear gas, no, no, rubber yeah, bullets, and yes, tear gases, yeah. which are killing people. So, like, there's um, students who've like received a tear gas to the chest and died. Yeah. Tanks have run over protesters. Um, so it's been the oppression has been really um, quite quite awful. The oppression of the government against the people, and on top of that, there's the civilian groups who aren't technically tied to the government. So they do come out with firearms right. and then rally against the um, opposition protesters. Right. And this has been going on for the last month, has been like the last wave of civil unrest and the people are really pushing to keep it going. Okay. So the call right now is just to um, uphold the like charter in our constitution that says that the people have the right to protest and to ask for the government to change. Yeah. Okay, which um, leads me to guy. I think we're coming up on our time, so I'd like to push things a bit forward to what what. So now that that's where we are now. We're in these protests. These people going up against Maduro. Um, he's he's wrongfully using anything he can. Yeah, he's he's he using can. the he's constitution. He's um sh- he's imprisoning people. He's uh, military. Um, he's doing stuff like, you know, civilian sh- militia. Chavez Chavez faced many like several recall elections where they yeah. said you're not going to be president anymore and he won them. Maduro had a recall election initiated against him and 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 canceled canceled that. Yeah. So okay. he so he's he's running scared and he's like, you know, very quickly 
lashing out and he's using more and more extreme measures to oh. try to hold on when he's and he's also losing the faith of the people you know in the in the last election when he lost so much of the legislature he still won the presidency but there were two million fewer votes for him in a country of 30 million people right almost like you know 10 percent probably of the actual electorate um who do who he lost and they didn't vote for the right they just abstained or spoiled their ballots showing that they were not happy with how mm -hmm. he was running things but this has always been the problem with Chavez's whole government is that even though it was supported by the people there was no input from the people it was a super mm -hmm. oligarchical closed group of people running the country and because that's why all this mismanagement happened there was no democratic mechanism for you to go and be like this sugar refinery hasn't been built yet and we need we need this shit to get built because we need these jobs we need this diversity in our economy you couldn't you couldn't do anything about that because even though Everyone was a member of the PSUV, which was like the Chavez party, the socialist party. Um, nobody had, the average person did not have any input or any control, actually. It was just run by his, his group of elites, and they mismanaged the shit out of it, and that's why we are where we are now. Okay. Yeah, and I think that, I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is um, to note or to leave on is the, like, a s all historical history aside the humanitarian crisis that the country yeah. is under is unacceptable yeah. yeah um so like the fact that a country that is so rich that was like slated to be like wealthy and and successful and had in an oil industry so many possibilities to succeed is starving and right. is like failing its people like people are dying from perfectly curable diseases in 2015 in 2017 yeah, malaria coming back just like s things that we just have as a planet right. evolved past mm -hmm. um and as a and which as a country had we had attained the like health the healthcare system to cure people from people are dying from people are um like jumping off of like hospital buildings for being diagnosed for something and then like knowing that they they will not be able to get cured um the the violence, like the insecurity, the the level of um, kidnappings and uh, muggings and like the the children, the slums, the it yeah. it the country is imploding. Organized like the country, crime, I imagine. The organized crime, yeah. um, and like it is so important, left or right, to just look at it because it's also so close to us here in North America. And it's such an interesting, like, mm -hmm. I f it is such a different crisis in terms of how we hear, like how we hear and what we hear about South America because it is an oil crisis. Right. And it links us to like all of our politics and the ways that we like speak and think about the United States and the oil war, <laughs> like right. the, all of the wars are around oil. And so it sits so differently and it is so close. Um, it's just everything aside, a government should never use its force against its own people. And it is its job to procure basic goods. Right. So it is failing at doing that. And yeah. it is important that we remain informed and that we help out and that we choose to not turn a blind eye. Mm -hmm. Um, even in a world where our plate is so full of things going wrong that we shouldn't ignore and shouldn't turn a blind eye to. Totally. So uh, uh, you, you've supplied us with a, a GoFundMe 
This is a GoFundMe campaign <clears throat> that Jimena forwarded to us that we will put in the description of the the episode. So mm. please check out the link to that. Yeah. It's from a group of Venezuelan expats in Miami who mm. are bringing in medical Medicine supplies and, and food to a group of medical students, I think, who yeah. are who are giving it out in in uh, in Venezuela. In support to the resistance, yeah. Yeah, right, particularly right. this one. Yeah. Yeah. So d- definitely go check that out. Click if you you know. Obviously, every every dollar helps. Yeah, it really does make a huge difference. And five of your dollars can buy nine <coughs> rolls well, of rice in Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that bugs me the most is the thing I'm most self conscious about in this was that I didn't know about any of it right. and I, 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 I imagine the reason that I didn't know about any of it is because it's all very complicated and maybe a little like not sexy for western media to uh, report on because they can't do it like mm. effectively I don't know maybe maybe that's why what I'm, you I'm see, guessing you see a lot of there was a lot of coverage when it was they called it the mother of Marches, the mother, mother of, of all, all marches, marches. Um, happened in mid-April. So people, there were lots of good photographs from that, but there's no context. And, in it's, a, and it's a dangerous rhetoric because it's important to cover it and it's important that we hear about it, but it also is important that we don't let this become a thing of like, we have to tumble communism and socialism in South America because we also don't want to end up with like a U.S. Interme- intervention. Yeah, no. And so the ways that. that they get, and, and so it's, but, it, but it's important for us to know about it and hear about it yeah. and so many of the things that they that you have to say in terms of the repression in terms of dictatorship in terms of um like corruption mm. and uh, how things are being yeah. silenced are important it, it, but, but when put yeah. through a mainstream media right. it, it, when it reaches go, here then, it, guys, then what is the like, yeah. what are they're trying to do with that reporting gets dangerous it doesn't right. fit into any of our easy narratives because it's like they don't want american in- intervention but then also you know like chavez was he horribly mismanaged the economy well, and yet his project was uh, like it was kind of resembled a Canadian project, right? Just to like bring the social programs available in Venezuela up to the level that we currently have. Yeah, he failed because he built it horribly and because of right. loads of corruption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, this is just a huge so much corruption. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, um, so it's just really complicated to like look at. Right, corruption also sounds like opposition at every turn and. Uh, and that well, and yeah. how the opposition like formed and and like came out of like yeah. a far right and right. and and what that means in terms of where the balance was trying to get tilted and right. and and how divided that country got and politically right now in Venezuela, it's not clear what the solution is, and it's not clear that the people, even though you know it's good that there's opposition to Maduro, it's not clear that the opposition is gonna get into office and fix things. You know, like people are worried it'll be the, the neoliberal mm-hmm. consensus again, and that it'll go back to the seventies, back to the eighties. They don't want that, and they don't want the current crisis. They want. They want <laughs> the lives that they want. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. They want better than those two options. Okay. Um, anyway, wow. We need to call it there. I think. I yeah. think so. I think. I think we've hit our time. Um, I want to thank you, Jimena, yeah, very much, you so for, much for for coming on. on. It's like beautiful to have a perspective of someone that is from there and knows yeah, people. Live through the things we're li- literally talking about. That's yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. I'm um, not a political expert. Hey, hey. No, none of us. <laughs> <laughs> You're in good um, company. Please go check out the GoFundMe campaign. It's in the description for this podcast. If you like this episode, uh, share it with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Explain Jamie. Facebook, Explain Jamie. You can communicate with us by email, Twitter, Facebook. 
uh, all of the above. Yeah, we had some nice traffic this week. Um, it, we'll link it on our Twitter, um, but it's on Facebook too. Our buddies Corey Matheson made the super cut of Jamie saying "Wow,", wow. <laughs> <laughs> which is very, very funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, please, please share. We want more people to join this conversation. We're having a great time doing it. Um, stay vigilant. Stay attentive. Lots of love. I'm Jamie. I'm Richard. I'm Jimena. This has been Explain It to Jamie. <laughs>